Hello, I'm James McCormack, head of the Sovereign Team at Fitch, and today I'm joined by Brian Colton and Maxime Darmé of our economics team to discuss a new report on medium-term potential growth rates of the largest emerging markets. From a sovereign rating perspective, estimates of medium-term growth are critical inputs to our analysis of government debt dynamics, along with interest rates and the primary balance. In all our sovereign reports, we publish a breakdown of debt dynamics, so the findings of this new research will be integrated immediately. In fact, it's hard to think of a single factor more important to the rating than the long-term direction of government debt to GDP, meaning the findings of this report will be very influential in our rating assessments. So, Maxime, as primary author of the report, can you give us a quick overview of the research, how you went about estimating medium-term potential growth, and what are the key findings? Yeah, sure. So, in this report, basically, we looked closely at the factors shaping an economy ability to grow. So, those factors are twofold. The first one is the growth in the employment, which depends upon the growth rate in the working age population and on the evolution on the employment rate, that is the capacity of an economy to create more jobs. The second factor, shaping an economy ability to grow, is the growth in labor productivity, that is the growth in output per worker. So what this analysis does is to break down those two factors historically, typically starting from the early 1980s. We also projected potential GDP for the largest emerging market economies for the next five years. And what we found, as someone would expect, is very divergent of patterns across the 10 emerging markets uh, covered. Broadly speaking, in the first group of countries, namely Mexico, Brazil, and South Africa, uh, supply-side decompositions shows that working age population growth has been the main or even the sole engine of growth historically. If you look at what happened in Mexico, for instance, GDP growth was about 2.2% per year between 1982 and 2017, while at the same time, the growth rate in the working age population was 2.4, meaning that labor productivity was essentially flat. It has even actually gone down, which also means that the growth in standards of living in, in Mexico has grown little since the uh, early uh, 80s. Even though from the most recent years, we've seen a slowly shifting growth patterns with a pickup in, in labor productivity. By contrast, in the second group of countries, namely in the seven other countries, population growth has been a much more modest GDP growth driver than labor productivity or other growth in the primary rate. If you look at China, China is a telling example here. GDP growth averaged about 10% between 1991 and 2016, while at the same time the growth rate in the working age population was about 1%, meaning that the bulk of the support to growth was stemming from labor productivity, which grew on average by 9% over the same time span. Another interesting example in this group of countries is Korea. What we've seen in Korea over the past two decades, three decades, is quite strong level productivity gains, but also an upward trend in the employment rate offsetting sharply deteriorating demographics. Now turning to potential GDP projection, we estimate that India comes on top of the list with an expected potential GDP growth of about 6.7% per year over the next five years, hinging on first strong level productivity gains and also on very favorable demographics. We, we, we think a working age population in India is set to slow only, only marginally for the next five years. At the bottom of the list, finally, we got South Africa, Brazil, and Russia, where we expect potential growth to be below 2%. This is either because of the sharply deteriorating demographics, in the case of Russia, or because of weak expected level productivity gains in South Africa and in Brazil. Okay, thanks, Maxime. So the report, if I read correctly, says investment demographics are really the key drivers of the emerging market growth. Does that mean the total factor productivity hasn't been as big an influence? 
not really in it, but just let me explain what is total factor productivity. What we've basically done in this report is to break down overall labor productivity growth into its two components. The first component is the growth of capital per worker, what we call capital deepening. Capital deepening is fueled by the investment rate, that is by how much your economy invests. The second factor, second component of overall labor productivity is total factor productivity or TFP. Broadly speaking, TFP captures the efficiency of the, of the production process. It reflects the quality of the labor force, that is the level of skills, the level of education, and also the quality of the capital stock. We're going to talk about it later, later, maybe with Brian. It depends also on a large set of factors, such as the strengths of the institutional framework and the soundness of the financial sector. In theory, TFP growth should be higher in lower GDP per capita countries because these countries have higher potential to catch up with more advanced countries. So what we found here in the report is that capital deepening, that is investment, has been the main driver of labor productivity in, in the 10 largest emerging markets, both historically and more recently. You got first China and India, where capital deepening has been by far the strongest. It has been fueled by a very high investment to GDP ratio, underpinned by very high savings ratio. An interesting example as well is Turkey, in Turkey, investment has been high as well, fueling very strong level productivity gains and strong growth, but it has been funded externally with concomitant downside risk. Lastly, let, let me talk about Brazil, Mexico and South Africa, where we found that capital deepening, that is accumulation per, per worker, has been, has been historic, historically much more muted translating to very slowly growing level productivity, as I was mentioning before. And now turning to TFP performance, we, we also found a wide dispersion looking at the past two decades. We, we actually found that, that TFP performance was quite weak in many countries, and meaning that convergence didn't really hold. If you look at what happened in India, we were a bit surprised by, by the result there, because what we found in India is that TFP performance was pretty, pretty weak, while at the same time, India has the lowest GDP per capita in the sample of countries. Korea and Russia have been the mirror image of India because what we found there is pretty uh, strong TFP growth over the last two decades, actually stronger than in India. Well, at the same time, as I was saying, in Korea and Russia, GDP per capita is much higher than in India. So it's a bit striking result we found here. Finally, let me talk about uh, Indonesia. Uh, Indonesia is an interesting case. Over the long term, we found quite disappointing performance, TFP performance in Indonesia, but when we look more closely at the last decade, so over the last 10 years, we found that Indonesia comes second in terms of TFP performance, comes second right after China. And what we found here in the report, there's a nice chart uh, about it, we found that Indonesia have actually made very smart progress on a bunch of governance indicators, such as the ease of doing business and the rule of law. And we think that those smart progress has fueled a very good TFP gains. Okay. Brian, let me bring you in here. China's rebalancing generally viewed as a welcome development, but this report highlights the negative impact of slower investment on potential growth. So how do you square those two views? Sure. Yeah. Our projections show that uh, potential growth in China is going to slow to 5.5% over the next five years, and that compares with 7.3% over the last five years. So of that 1.8 percentage point deterioration, 1.2% percentage point of that is explained by a slower rate of capital deepening. And that essentially reflects a slowdown that we've seen in investment growth in China in the last few years. The capital stock will simply not be growing as fast, so we're going to have less capital deepening. That's just really an inevitable result of the arithmetic as we see it. 
But does that necessarily mean that slower investment growth in China is a bad thing for future economic performance? We don't think so. First of all, looking at things from a slightly different perspective from the demand side perspective, there are clearly some balance sheet constraints in China on the corporate sector, which means that investment simply can't carry on growing at the rate that it has been growing, because that would imply too big an increase in the corporate debt to GDP burden. This is something the Chinese authorities have already themselves identified is a problem. But the second point, and this relates to some of the comments that Maxim has made, is that we, you know, we do quite often see an inverse correlation between the speed with which the capital stock grows and broader efficiency. Total factor productivity growth in China slowed quite sharply after 2008, just as the rate of growth of the capital stock accelerated. This massive investment boom in China at the time of the global financial crisis was actually associated with quite a big deterioration in the marginal efficiency of, of capital. The investment rate rose sharply, but TFP growth slowed. So what we've seen over the last three or four years as the investment growth has slowed down is that China has successfully stabilised the growth rate of TFP. I'm not sure that would have happened if we hadn't actually seen slower investment growth in China. So there's an interaction between these different components of the supply side and that slowdown in investment growth, while it does inevitably mean a lower contribution from capital deepening, is probably quite important in stabilising TFP. And that's actually an area where you know we saw a similar inverse correlation in some some countries in the past, Maxime? Yeah, it's actually something we, we saw in Korea during the late 1980s and early 1990s. What we saw in Korea is that starting in the mid-80s, the investment to GDP ratio soared from about 30% of GDP to 37% of GDP. But much of the pickup in investment was fueled by a fast rise in construction investment, that is in low-yielding projects. And what we, what we saw at the same time is that TFP growth sharply deteriorating during the exact time span. And when investment started to fall down to more sustained level, what we, what we saw is actually a pickup in TFP. Okay, finally, Brian, what, if any, are the results that surprised you most in this report? We've come out with a, you know, a pretty good number for Turkey in terms of potential growth, just under 5% over the next five years. But the decomposition of that growth rate was quite a surprise to us. What we found is that there are sort of two key drivers of potential growth in, in Turkey. One is on the employment rate side, reflecting demographics, immigration. You know, that still looks pretty solid going forward. But the other aspect on the labour productivity side, it's all about capital deepening. Turkey's total factor productivity performance, according to our estimates, has been very poor. We've actually seen negative rates of TFP growth on average. Now, that's not necessarily a problem if Turkey can sustain a high investment rate. But of course, as we know from the sovereign rating analysis that we do, all of the indicators that we look to, Turkey does not have the domestic savings to fund this high investment rate. So those sovereign vulnerabilities that that you guys talk about a lot on the rating side, you know, potentially could have quite an important implication for the growth model in Turkey. If the capital inflows that are required to fund this high investment rate were to dry up, then there could be an impact on on Turkey's potential growth rate. Okay, definitely some rating issues for us to watch. The report entitled Investment in Demographics, Key to Emerging Market Growth Potential is available on FitchRatings.com. Thanks, Maxime and Brian, for joining me today, and thank you for listening.